Pastor Jude preaching for us uh, this morning at the Kirkland campus. And uh, I asked him if he'd be willing to preach in Seattle tonight. I'm so excited to have him. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Give a warm pursuit, Seattle. Welcome to our friend, Pastor Jude Fuquay. But I don't, but my wife was asking Megan questions about the young worship leader, youth pastor, young adult pastor, and she's trying to get you a wife, you know. <laughs> I receive. I but receive. now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above, more than you could ask, think, over yeah. match. Hey, I'm proud of you. What a voice. What? There's healing in your voice. And never think that the story they tell of Seattle, Portland, and Boise is their story. It is our story. There was a day in the beginnings of the last century, in the 1900s, that there was a triangle of the Holy Spirit that went from Seattle to Portland to Boise, and when people would come in, they would come under the influence of the outpouring of healing, the Holy Spirit. They had ministries like John G. Lake, Catherine Coleman, and many others. The Great Assembly of God, a Pentecostal movement, began. Northwest was a Bible college. You hear about Pursuit Children. I am believing Pursuit will have a Bible college that will call the world come on, come on. into a triangle of last day revival that will be second to none. And I just believe God heals and God does miracles. And good Lord, Russell, that was powerful. Keep standing. You're going to be sitting. I'm proud of you, bro. You have guts. Why in the world should we put, be put under a spell of being quiet? Faith comes by hearing That's right. yeah. and hearing and hearing yeah, yeah, yeah. and hearing yeah. and hearing yeah, yeah. and so does fear and their spirit will not get in this church yeah. because the spirit that is in us is greater than the spirit that controls them amen ah. They had a woman standing right here. I don't know where you're at. But when Russell started reading, well, quoting Ephesians, good Lord, I've tried to memorize it, but Paul writes in the longest run-on sentence ever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not easy to memorize. Dead in your trespasses and sins. But then he got to this point. Now to him who is able. It didn't say now to us. Now to him, where's that lady that was standing right here? I wish she'd come up. Girl, come on. You're making me work hard for my money. Come on. 
Yeah, it's you. That's you. I feel our spirits are just the same. You were catching what I was catching. And God spoke to me for you. When he said this, now to him who is able. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, tell her that my ableness is available to those who are available to me. And because you have made yourself available to God, now his ableness will enter into your life and your being. And the devil who tried to take your breath out of your body and take you down did not have that ability. God says, I gave you breath and I'll give you the ability to be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You will know the depth, the width, the height, the length, and the love of God. You have been through hell. You should not be smiling. You should not be dancing. But God has given you breath. In Jesus' name. I need to tell you what happened in this room. Lord, maybe 10 years ago, I love this building. Buildings in one sense, aren't anything, but they could be almost a lot. We had about 150 Bible college students. Maybe you could have 500. What if you had 5,000? Then we'll change America. It won't matter who's in the White House or the governor's house in Olympia. We will own this place. I got a story for you. Now to him who is able. If you have no ability, you can't do exceedingly abundantly. But if you are ability, right here, Doug Larson became a Bible college student. And we would come every Thursday and pray an hour in this room right here. But it was one of those times. The Holy Spirit's kind of like Russell. <laughs> He doesn't get bored with the same song. He's got that song on repeat forever. It turned into a three and a half hour prayer meeting. Doug was on this brown carpet swimming as if he was swimming from here to Tokyo. I said, Doug, after an hour and a half of swimming, one girl swam so much on that Holy Ghost hit him. I don't know why they were doing that. She had a brush burn on her nose. <laughs> I said, Doug, what's going on? And you know what he told me, ma'am? He said, no one here knows this, but today is my first sobriety birthday. He was on chemicals and many other things that could have took him out. He said, but Pastor Jude, I am so liberated. The Spirit of God came on me. I felt like I was free enough to swim to Tokyo. And I want you to know, the devil who tried to incarcerate you, he himself will be incarcerated. Your God is able. And he just told me, you are gonna be, you're gonna forget the things that are behind. 
it will be as if it happened to another person. You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. And I feel your asking has been too little. And you keep on saying, you know, if I would have done that and I would have done that and if this didn't happen and that, oh, just let it go. God says, go big, go home. Ask for everything you want to ask for. He said, my promises are not if and maybe. I'm not an infomercial. This isn't Instagram. It's not a package coming from China. That's too small, cheap, and you can't send it back. God's word is not a waste of money. God overpromises, He overdelivers every time. Can you say amen? I don't know you, I like you, Jesus is for you. Amen. And I think I got a song of the Lord. And another one bites the dust. And another one's gone. And another one's gone. And another one bites the dust. Bam, devil, get out of Seattle in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a shout, a hand clap, cheer. <laughs> Becky, do you have Daniel's wife yet? Oh, you're working on it. Okay. Well, give your neighbor a high five. Russell's mom and dad, I love you. I keep thinking of you, sir. I'm sure you have a similar emotion when you see your son that you know it's your son, but you see something otherworldly. And you say, I didn't know all that was in him, and God chose all this. That the beauty, the brilliance, the humility, and the childlikeness is attractive. And I'm glad we have a move of God that is not pompous. Or maybe a, a move of God is never pompous, but sometimes vessels that it flows through can be. And I love Russell. And I'm so glad God tagged him. Such a cool thing. Amen? I want to, first of all, I'm overwhelmed. I just came here tonight in Russell reading all of Ephesians and... Uh, no, there's, it's, revival's not coming, it's happening. I feel the way it's at in the spirit realm is when the prophet told his servant, go look to see if there's a cloud. No, boss, no cloud. Go again. He said, well, there's a little cloud, but it looks like the size of a man's hand. And Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of revival. And Russell, God is going to send you that cloud of a man's hand. And he's going to send you apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher 
to do the work of the ministry that the body of Christ in the Pacific Northwest will grow into the stature of the fullness of the Christ man. Amen. And there will, there is revival that's happening. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want to speak on something that in Seattle is very scientific and with Microsoft, Amazon, even the hospital at the University of Washington. Years ago, they had uh, a woman who's Buddhist and she flew to China with a group of Buddhists from Seattle, very wealthy family. And she went to the mountains of China and one of the practices that they do is they call on the spirits of deceased relatives. And she called on a spirit of a deceased relative. And this spirit came on and in her and she stopped breathing. And they had to uh, put a stoma in her throat for air to go through. They helivacked her to Taiwan. Their personal family jet would fly her to Seattle and she was on the fourth floor, UW, neurology floor, and did not move, did not respond, had a feeding tube and, uh, for six weeks. They called the church because they heard that I publicly said, and I would say this all the time, I have an anointing for Buddhists. And someone came and asked me, is it true you have an anointing for Buddhists? And uh, I thought of Luke chapter four, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to preach. And I thought, well, yeah, I could preach to Mexicans. I could preach to Indians. I could preach to Americans and Buddhists. I'm anointed for them all. And so I told him, I said, yes, tell the family I have a, an amazing anointing for Buddhists. She will come out of this coma. So I go to the University of Washington floor, and let me tell you, prayer's real. And he was talking about looking through that glass dimly. Can I say, prayer is more real in one sense than science, because it fills the atmosphere of heaven. And through prayer, medicines can be discovered, dead bodies can be raised, blind eyes can be healed. Come on. Arthritis be healed in Jesus' name. Cerebral palsy I've seen healed. And so I go in, and this woman, is she's there. And when I walked in, the Buddhist family, they're all Taiwanese, they bow, and they didn't call me Pastor Jude. They bowed and they said, Priest Jude, thank you for coming. I thought, my God, I love the Buddhists. <laughs> they're nice, they bow. I said, grab my wrist. No, my other wrist, no. I literally thought, my goodness, the Buddhists are nice. Baptists will keep the pastor poor and humble. AG will be almost generous with them. But can I tell you, the Buddhists were respectful. And so I didn't yell. I didn't scream. I knelt down. Everyone say us and ours. Say ours and us. Can I tell you, I'm only going to speak a few minutes, but this is the key to the next steps of this revival. This is not a Russell revival. 
He is catalytic in it. It is a God revival. And it is the pursuit revival. And I'm glad it's called the pursuit because people think God's just going to show up with no one seeking him. And the Bible does say, seek the Lord while he may be found. And if there's never a time in history that he can be found, it is now. Are you with me? So kid you not, we go in. I, I believe in prayer. And I believe this church is going to be baptized. You must. What's happening, prayer is the key to the invisible realm. The ancient church fathers said prayer elevated, lifted the mind and the heart to heaven. Can I say right now, prayer will elevate you. I don't care how smart or unintelligent you are. I do not want a life that is only earthly. We have a God that is in heaven, and I believe we can live extraordinary lives, and now to him who is able. Come on. And I'm wondering if we don't have the ability of God because we haven't been available to God. Okay, I will. Don't you love that when someone says, say that again? You know, yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you right now? Prayer starts off like when you're first in love. And God makes it that way. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> Remember the first time when you fell in love and you gave that first kiss? Oh, my goodness. The windows in the car steamed up. Then after 20 years of marriage, 10 years of marriage, 30 years of marriage, you go and you give that little smooch, love you, babe, and you may not have felt anything. You think, I wonder if the love's gone. No, my friend, that's exactly how prayer is. It starts off with steamy windows, but then sometimes it feels like you're going through the motion. Then all of a sudden, the God who's now able to do exceedingly abundantly above shows up in your life, speaks to you about Kirkland, speaks about Seattle, speaks about revival. Then all of a sudden, the car's all steamy again. Where are we going, God? I can't see. Ah, we're going for broke that Seattle would be saved. Can you say amen? True story. I went and I bowed down. I didn't yell. And I said, you foul tormenting spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, come out of this woman. I called her by name. She started and I said, say Jesus is Lord. I was tra trained by some crazy Pentecostals. You have to say Jesus is Lord to get the devil out. You know how I know woke's not working? They don't even believe in demons anymore. They don't believe in the devil. They believe everyone's good. No, everyone's not good. Turn on your television. Only God is good. We need a revival. We need a renewal. And I love that he said, you were bad in your trespasses and sin. No, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. And so I said, Jesus is Lord. I kid you not. This Taiwanese woman goes, Jesus is Lord. And I thought, her family started cheering and crying. And I said, did she speak? No, she hasn't uh, responded in six weeks. I made her say that so many times. Then I looked at her Taiwanese family. I said, do you want the demon spirit to come on you? They go. <laughs> I said, then you have to pray the same prayer she prayed or it will and it will control you. So I led them all to Jesus. Come on. 
And in one week, that woman was out of the University of Washington Hospital, came to the Kirkland campus, sat in the second row right behind Becky and I and gave her heart to Jesus Christ. True story. Everyone say prayer. In my hand, I have a prayer card, and I don't know exactly what's going to come up. And when I was in my 20s, I heard a man speak on the Lord's Prayer. And he said that, please hear this, something supernatural happens when you pray an hour a day. I struggled praying an hour a day. Come on. I had 66 first cousins on my mom's side alone. If you count my first cousins on my dad's side and my mom's side, over 100. I married my fifth cousin. It's not a joke. My kids are good looking, but they're dumb at math. Amen. And only in Louisiana, you go to a family reunion and get a date. But they love Jesus and fried catfish. Even with all my cousins, and I, you know what? I would call them by name and I can. That wasn't an hour and I struggled praying an hour. Until I heard a man say, if you use the Lord's Prayer as a pattern, that it was not devised to be in a repetition, vain repetition. We are going to look in a moment at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through, I mean, 11, uh, 1 to 4, 4, 1, 11. We'll see in a moment. It's there. And, but in Matthew, he said, do not be like the heathens or the pagan. Get this, that they think through their many repetitive words, our father, our father, our father, our father, our father. No, 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 no. That they're going to change God's mind. I just want to say for the record, after almost 40 years, no, 42 years of praying, I'm going to be 64 in March. You know that's who. It's easy to be cute when you're 20. It's a miracle when you're going to be 64. <laughs> Pastor Russell showed me pictures, you guys marching with the Jewish community, and they have yarmulkes with pursuit on it. I said, Russell, get me one of those yarmulkes so I can cover up my natural yarmulke. <laughs> Kid you not, prayer does not, you should think about it, write it down, it never changes God. Because if God could be changed, then he's not God. You can't add to God because he's God. You can't take away from God because he's God. Prayer changes me. It changes my mind. It changes my heart. It changed my life. And from the age of 22 to the age of 64, very few days went by through this pattern. We did not pray an hour. And I would love to tell you when we got to Seattle... Over 30-something years ago, we were all that then some. We were not. Pastor Wendell Smith had been taught in the early 80s how to pray. The same thing, a prayer pattern. And I had been, been praying an hour. And what you see in the story you hear, in the books that were written, you will, you will know that it's just a group of people that were willing to pray. And God of Ephesians, now to him who is able, showed up and did way more than we could have ever imagined. And we're still shocked today that God did all that but pursuit. It's only the beginning. You have not seen anything yet. God owns Seattle. Can you say amen? 
I want you to do this. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Luke 11. I told you I'd get it eventually. How many of you have a traditional Bible? Let's see. Wait, wave it. Okay. One, two, three. I love you, ma'am. Old school. Yeah. Let's bring the Bible back. Amen. How many of you have it on your smartphone? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wave it in the air because you do care. Amen. I want to say this. Our first staff meeting, Russell, your greatest need right now is leaders and staff. The greatest area to get staff is not on the LinkedIn page or a ministry website. Prayer connects people. I'm not as Russell's a genius, guys. Truly. I was just a praying person. Wendell was a praying person. We were at a mega church in the 80s. We had the, one of the largest youth ministries in the nation. The church itself in the 80s had 6,600 people, and that was one campus, and that was huge in the 80s. And Wendell Smith would come. And his message, I'll never forget it, as long as I live, you could ask my wife, it was as if the voice of God came in the auditorium. And Russell, sometimes I feel that when you speak, and it goes beyond personality. And right then, the Lord put it on Becky and I's heart, one day, you will work for this man. And I didn't think it would be Seattle. He was living in Portland. Let me just tell you this real quick. Every time, look, this is before a cell phone. This is when it, all you had was a landline. Oh my goodness, we thought we moved up and we had a landline that you had the cordless mic. You couldn't go everywhere in your house when you had a cord on the phone. It was so free and you could go to the bathroom with the cordless phone. But you forgot you were on the phone and people were saying, what are you doing, you know? Kid you not. Every time I pray, everyone say prayer, prayer. say our, our, say us. us, the phone would ring within 24 hours. And it would be Wendell Smith. And he said, Jude, I don't really know why I'm calling you, but I believe one day we will work together. And he came in 1991. The phone would call. And he said, Jude, at the end of 1991, he said, we're moving to Seattle. We're starting a church. We have no money. We do not have a building. I cannot offer you a job. Now, what I didn't tell you a year before that, a church of 27,000 people in 91 offered me a youth pastor job for $100,000. They put us in the Hyatt in that city. And let me tell you right now, not all hotels are created equal. Motel 6 will leave the lights on, but I'm telling you, you may not get out of it alive. I knelt down by that nice bed in the Hyatt and said, Lord, this is it. <laughs> I have a call to the youth of America. My wife has a call to the malls of America. She can fulfill her call with my salary. 
in prayer. You know what the Lord said? This is not it. And if get this, if you come to this church, your marriage will not make it. He said, in a year, I'm going to send you somewhere where they can't afford you. Get debt free. And a year later, Wendell Smith called. He said, I can't offer you a job. I have no money. Will you come and help me start a church? I hung up. This isn't a mere book. What do you think? This ain't Disney. This is living. This is active. This is powerful. This will go between the soul and the spirit. And I said, Lord, what are you saying? I kid you not. The spirit of God who wrote this book through men said, son of man, prophesy to the city situated on the sea, in the gateway, in the city situated on the sea. He gave me the reference. I turned to it. It's in Ezekiel. And I said, Lord, this is the stupidest verse I've ever been given. I have asked you, should I move and help this man? He's not offering me a penny. I read it again. I said, Lord, this verse is dumb. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. And if all you do is talk, no wonder you don't pray because you think it's useless. Most of my prayer time, when you read this card and you pray this pattern, you have to listen. And the good thing about listening, eventually he's going to test you to see if you're patient. Hell is filled. Now, fear and hell are filled with impatience. Faith in God are filled with patience. Amen. Long, long story short, it finally hit me. Son of man prophesied in the gateway, in the city, situated on the sea. Sea, sea, Seattle, sea. Whoa, I think Seattle is a gateway city on the sea. That's why it's called Seattle. And I kid you not, Becky came home working at the hospital. I said, God's giving me a word. We're moving to Seattle. Did he offer you a job? No. What is the salary? None. Uh, we have two kids. Are you, are you foolish? Uh, she goes, I will not move with you on your word. Thank God for a wife who knows how to pray. I will only move if God gives me a word. So how did she get her word? I don't recommend this, but I've done it. I call it the point and find method. When you don't have one, <laughs> Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, no, Lord. Let's try it again. <laughs> Go and do likewise. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Tried it a third time. And what you do, do quickly. No, no. Kid you not, she did the point and find method. And the point and find method in her Bible was page 571, Proverbs chapter 1. Becky could not say her name. She was a severe stutterer. She was disfluent 87% of the time. And it said, wisdom lifts up her voice in the gateway of the city. And she makes her speech. Hey, my friend, Texas. We moved to Seattle. They didn't give us any money. They didn't give us a position. My office was a garage. 
But when we were here in one meeting like tonight, my wife's voice was released and she began to preach. And God says, I have need of you to speak. The first time she preached, she preached to a youth audience of over 2,000 people and they gave her a standing ovation. She, I can't get her to be quiet. Can you say amen? amen? Now, are you in Luke chapter 11? Okay, but I need to tell you one more thing. It was our first staff meeting, Russell. And I'm just a geek. I was reading my Bible. And Peter and the apostles had worked all night and they caught nothing. And Jesus said, let me use your boat. And then he says, launch out into the deep, cast your net on the other side. I read that and I go, good. That's my word for the day. I went and Wendell said it was Wendell, Jude, and Jenny. Or Wendell, Jenny, and Jude. Wendell goes, Jude, do you have a word for today? It was our first staff meeting. First staff meeting. First staff meeting. Your staff is important. Pursuit, you have a beautiful spiritual DNA. Fight for it and protect it with your very breath. That's why I've come up here. Because I sense there's something that's happening. Wendell, that morning at four something in the morning, was awakened by the Spirit with that verse, cast your net on the other side. Reading his book, Great Faith, he said, our youth pastor came. We had our first staff meeting. I said, Jude, do you have a word for today? I quoted the verse. He said, what do you think that means? I said, Wendell, it's simple. That means cast your net, get this, cast your net on the other side of the boat. It represents this. It's a pattern of prayer where your mind can leave the bounds and confines and fear of earth and ascend into the heavens. And you hear a voice beyond the smoky mirror that 1 Corinthians 13 speaks of. That veiled is removed for an instant and you hear. I said, Wendell, it's simple. We're going to do whatever God tells us to do. We didn't have a space. We didn't have a building. We didn't know where we're going to meet. In that day, we found 148th in Maine, Kelsey Creek, 11,000 square feet, and that's where the city church would be born. And it was not born in the seminaries of men. It was born in the mind, the intelligence, and the heart of God. And I am here to say this is a praying movement that will usher in one of the greatest revivals in the Pacific Northwest that God's Son will be glorified, where Jews will be saved, Muslims will be be saved. Hindus will be saved. Catholics are going to be born again. Shintoists are going to be born again. And I'm going bold. Atheists are going to begin to believe in God. God is going to go after the smartest, wealthiest atheists that are living in the Puget Sound to know they're not as smart as our God. Our God is a miracle worker. Say amen. amen. Everyone say our. our. Say us. us. Okay, we're going to read. It's Luke chapter 11. Here we go. I want you to underline in your Bible every time it says our and us. This cannot be done just by Russell, Lighty, and a few people. It's all of us. It's going to take our and us to reach this city. Here we go. 
Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Do you have a certain place? I do. It's sacred to me. When he sees that one of his disciples said to him, please get this, Lord, teach us. It didn't say teach me. Teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say. Say that with me. When you pray, say it louder. Come on, one more time. And I know when I say, say it louder, you're going, God's not deaf. I know he's not deaf, but man, sometimes heart is too cold to pray loud. And I just figure I'm not going to shout more for you dub football game than I do for God. Okay, let's move on. Here it goes. Our, oh, no, I didn't ask you to repeat that. You could read it with me though. Come on. Our father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us and forgive us. For we also forgive everyone who's indebted to us. And do not... Okay, in this prayer... And they say every prayer that's written in the scripture from Solomon to Abraham to David to the prophets, all the Bible, the New Testament, Paul, Peter, Acts, that every prayer that is prayed in seed form is in the Lord's prayer. There are many movements today, you'll see it on Instagram or social media, guided prayer. This is the greatest guided prayer prayer of any human being that's ever prayed. He is fully human and fully God. And I believe that God is calling the men of the pursuit that it, the women are not going to outpray us. We are going to be men of prayer and we are going to usher in a revival first in our own lives, in our home, in our city, in our church, in this region. Can you say amen? Now, on the card, and I'm just going to do, there's seven petitions. Write that down. There's seven prayers in the Lord's Prayer. And the first three are God-focused. And that's how we should start. Always be God-focused. Stop looking at your need and what's happening in your life and begin to focus on God. And the three that focus on God, I'm going to have you say it with me. You probably know it because you prayed this prayer. By the way, Millions of people pray this prayer every day. This is the prayer of the church. They say this is the prayer that will sustain a believer in the end of time. Russell, you gave me hope. I didn't even know who you were. But when the lockdowns came to the West Coast, even myself, and I'm not given to a spirit of fear, you begin to self-doubt. But bro, you did something. You're a catalyst to us all. Something was happening and you reminded us our God is not dead and our God is not weak and our God is not broke and our God is not silent and our God is not afraid. And they said it's this prayer that will sustain the church in the end of time. So the first three are this. I Say it with me. Our Father in heaven. If you don't know it, just go to Luke 11. Then the next one is, hallowed be your name. Say that with me. Then say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, on earth, on earth, 
as it is in heaven. Now, can I tell you, it did not say, oh, Lord, please let your will come to Seattle. They're trashing the downtown, Lord, and your will's being obstructed. No, God's will cannot be obstruct, uh, obstructed. When we pray this prayer, the devil cannot overcome us. Can you say amen? So then the next four are for us, and it's the hierarchy of humanity's needs. And it sees four. Everyone say this, give us our daily bread. It did not say, give me my daily bread. Give us. There will be a day that government's monies will be insufficient. In Russell, there's going to be a moment when the office of the governor and the mayor of this state Possibly even the Oval Office will call and say, we want to use the pursuit as a model of how to help meet the needs of the poor. People ask me all the time, Pastor Jude, this is how they say it, it aggravates me. Pastor Jude, what do you think about the prosperity gospel? <laughs> Have you ever heard people now, yeah, is Russell moving to Kirkland? Is he in the prosperity gospel? I asked someone who was interviewing me, was on a big interview, went all over. He said, what do you think about the prosperity gospel? I said, what, you want to preach the uh, poverty gospel? <laughs> who told you God's broke? Don't you know he owes 10,000 Cadillacs in Bellevue? And a million Teslas? And has all you need? I said, how in the world can you reach the needs of the poor if you're poor? A drowning person cannot save a drowning person. How can we get the attention of all this nation? We're stepping up. You can't handle homelessness? We do. You can't handle drug addiction? We can. You're broke? We're not. We are going to heal this society with or without you. I don't pray to you. I don't bow to you. I'm not begging you. Can you say amen? amen. So say, give us this day our daily bread. Now, let me just say, I cannot even go into this because I'm only going to end on two of these. And I have to end on these two. I just want you to know, nowhere in the entire New Testament is give us this day our daily bread. Now, when you translate this into English from the Greek or into Latin, St. Jerome, who uh, translated the Greek, the Koine Greek, into Latin, the Latin Vulgate, you know what he called this phrase, give us this day our daily bread? He called it, get this, you may want to write it down, super substantial bread. I want to say that again, super have you ever heard people from Australia say that word? Super, mate. <laughs> Super, that means it's not average. Substantial, get that. Bread. You go, wait, where is that in the Bible? Well, let's think about it. Number one, they're coming out of Egypt. Yep. And he says, bake bread that's unleavened. And they ate that bread, and that bread got them out of the world. Can I say, if you eat what the world eats, you will become what the world is. And you become what you eat. And when you eat super substantial bread, you have a new DNA in you. Super substantial bread, what about the manna? Remember the Hebrew children? 
God said, hey, I'm going to rain bread from heaven. And they went out and it says it was frosted flakes on the ground. And they said, what is it? And that's what manna means in Hebrew. What is it? And Tony the tiger said, it's great because that's where frosted flakes were made. That is my cereal of choice. You want to know what super substantial bread is? 40 years, they walk in the wilderness. Their shoes don't wear out. They do not have the disease of the Egyptian. And they walk in a supernatural hell. I am tired of the enemy taking saints home prematurely. I need some super substantial bread. How about a widow? She has her son. The prophet said, girl, cook me some bread, a cake. She said, I don't have anything. Stop saying what you don't have. Pursue. Stop saying what we don't have. Tell me what you got in your house. She goes, I have nothing. That's a poor mentality. I have nothing. No, she had some flour and some oil. He said, bake me the cake and then it will never run out. She gave him the cake. First, can I say, when the next time offering comes, don't go low, go big, and watch your finances turn into super substantial bread. Oh, that didn't go over as big. Did you feel that clap? You liked the healing part, though, didn't you? Men, Daniel, when you get your wife, Lord, give him the most beautiful wife. Lord, let her be spiritual. Let her be intelligent, but humble not to argue with him. Let her give him a thousand children, Lord. Amen, amen. Men, never ever buy your wife a home, then sell her home, and use the money she made on her home to support your ministry in Seattle and say, God's supplying. We were not getting along when we first moved here. We had $10,000, which is nothing. Hey, hey, it was everything to us. It was all we had. And to make ends meet, if you think this revival is going to happen without sacrifice of us in our, look at him, his children, he has a wife. He goes to every service and he preaches so good. Let me say that's one thing about my Russell. It's actually your Russell, but <laughs> he leaves everything on the court. You'll never say of him, ah, oh, he kept some of it back. I was praying. I'm a prayer geek. I heard one man saying, there were very few days I prayed an hour, but there was an hour in my awakening day that I did not pray. This is the pattern where you could do that. You could have this. I already have it memorized. I don't need the card anymore. And so we got to the daily bread. She goes, okay, I want it. Okay, come get it after, maybe. Actually, this guy, I'm sending 10, and if you need one, tell him, and he'll text us how many he needs, and I'll send it. I want you to have it. And I forgot to bring him. Sorry, what a loser, right? 
we got to this part of the prayer and all we had was a thousand dollars and I had two babies and my wife was pregnant because we forgot how it happened. <laughs> Daniel, don't forget how that happened. And she was mad at me. She said it was my fault. Someone had given us 50 bucks to go to Alki Beach to Salty's for a date. And we got home, the boys were sleeping, and you have a three-year-old and a one-year-old sleeping. Hey, party. She said, do you have the thing that prevents the birth of a child, the conception? I go, no, but one time never caused that. Oh yeah, it does. We hadn't. You want Seattle? You want her? There's a price. God says, give me the thousand dollars. Wendell was believing for nine people to give a thousand dollars to pay our first rent, 9,000. And we didn't even have 90 people. Now they knew the Ostroms were going to get big. They would have never thought the broke youth pastor who believed in prosperity. So, but I'm not totally dumb. I was praying, give us this day. You can't be cute. This isn't one of those makeout sections with the Almighty where it's all glorious. It's like, where are you? I'm here. We moved. We moved 2,265 miles away from our family. My mother only saw my baby twice. And now you're asking me when I get to this point in the pattern to give me the thousand dollars because Wendell's believing for nine. Oh, I'm smart. Yeah, smart Alec. Smart mouth. I'll go, oh Lord, oh Lord. Through tears. I, I will give it. I'll give it instantly, joyfully, completely. Because my prosperity mind was working. God likes a cheerful giver, not a complaining one. But Lord, it's not my money. That's Becky's money. And Lord, you also said in this Bible, the two should be in agreement. Now, if you want me to give her money, you're going to have to talk to her. Two days later, I kid you not, God spoke to Becky. I knew it was a miracle. I said, Lord is a speaking God. <laughs> See, in families, usually both people don't do the money. And the one who does the money, they, we never have, we're going to lose everything. <laughs> the one who doesn't, oh yeah, pay for it all. We got it. God's good. <laughs> we got in arguments on the front row of city church. When I say, babe, write a check for $5. That's all we have is five. And I go, yeah, you got to obey me. Submit to me. And our kids are going, mom, dad, relax. People are looking. <laughs> I never, I knew it was God. She said, we're to give the thousand. 
never judge in that stupid way of judging. You need money to reach a city. Never think of the 12 apostles as the 12 broke people. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, their father owned two boats. Even today, if you had two commercial fishing vessels, you would be at least middle income, if not more. They say his book, the Gospel of John, is the greatest book ever written in all of literature. I'll never forget the day after we gave the $1,000. Man, Wendell passed out. I think the next day, Russell, he asked me if I'd be an elder. (laughs) Well, also, we're at Dick's Hamburgers in Seattle, and Wendell cut, and a guy was going to beat him up, but I'm from Louisiana. And when you have as many first cousins as I do, and your mom is big as Medea, and she's 5'11", you're not afraid. And I'm not afraid of Seattle. I'm not afraid of this. And I I said, you fight him, you're going to fight me. Back off, boy. He went like this. He started Michael Jackson moonwalking back. That's why Wendell asked me to be an elder. I didn't even know the Bible. Who's going to fight for Russell? No, 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 no. You sound like an Amway meeting, clapping like that. Or Mary Kay. I don't drive a pink Tesla. I won't refuse it if Becky sells makeup. Amen. No, I'm really serious. Go through every book in the New Testament, the letters, Romans, Corinthians, and begin to mark. Even in Ephesians where Paul says, pray for me. When we got here, every day, When you begin to pray this card, God is going to lead you on a Holy Ghost tangent. And this is anything but dry. It is a pathway. It is a highway. It is better than cyberspace itself. Because you go right into the mind and heart of God. I think too much the church has lost her heart. And she's trying to market herself like some cheap business on Instagram. We have got to have the heart of God for this city. We have got to have the mind of God to reach this city. And I don't know, pursuit. maybe I think I must stay on this point. Sorry, I had the others. It would have been good. I actually think it's wrong to think we're going to do it the way the other move of God did it. We are living in 2024. God's mind is not tired. God's intelligence is not taxed. Can I say, let's ask God for the ideas and the keys of Seattle. Jesus said, hear it pursued, I will build my church and the gates, the Senate, the Congress, the judicial system of hell will not prevail. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be And I'm giving you some keys. Oh, Russell. You got something in your pocket, son. It's called keys. Keys to education. Keys to medicine. Keys to real estate. Keys to the hearts of atheists and men and women that they can be born again. Amen.
I think the band may need to come up. It's really late. I don't even know what time it is. Okay. <laughs> not too bad. Not too bad. You know what was weird? Everyone say a thousand. thousand. Say it again. Thousand. Say it again. Thousand. Say it again. Thousand. One more time. Thousand. How does it sound? I was broke the next day, but my God wasn't broke. And my God was in me. You're Holly, right? Becky and I love you. You've been faithful. You helped build that, and now you're helping build this, girl. You're our type of person. You want a word? Okay. I'll give you a word. Stand up. Stand up, Holly. You want your word? The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout this entire earth to show himself strong on those who are loyal and faithful. I give you a word, 3 John 2. Beloved! Holly, look at me. You beautiful card. I never felt God. I was raised Catholic. My parents really weren't good Catholics. They were, I don't know, comatose Catholics. <laughs> kind of like bedside Baptist. <laughs> Egregious assembly. <laughs> you know when you'll change forever and it's happening right now. It's at the grave site of my father it's the first time I remember feeling the presence of God, really. I'd accepted Christ. I felt God's presence in eighth grade at a Baptist camp. So if you don't like me, I'm Catholic, Baptist, and Pentecostal. I'm sorry. And I was born in Louisiana, and I married my fifth cousin. And it took us a long time to figure each other out, but we have. Holly, I promise you... I knew in that moment, he said, I now, they're lowering my dad's body in the ground in a casket. I would never wish that on anyone. My dad was so generous. He was successful. Money was never, we never thought of it because we had enough of it. Sometimes I think the most greedy people in the world aren't the wealthiest. It's those who don't have enough and they're forced to constantly think of something that God's willing to show them how to make and create. Holly, I kid you not. He said, I'm going to be a father to you. And you know what? I knew in that moment, his voice over me through this was saying, this is my son. This is my beloved son. I love this son, and I'm pleased. But I knew the sin in my life. But I knew through the blood of Jesus Christ, even though I was far off. Thank you, Russell. He brought me near. I give you a scripture. I feel the aura of God. I see it around you. And he's saying, tell her I have enveloped her in a circle of not only calm, but my love, he says, 
And this is what he says, word for word, third time too. Beloved, my beloved Holly, is it Cervantes? How in the world would I remember that? He knows your last name, even your middle name, which you don't tell anyone. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And the enemy was never after your job, your car, your money, your check, your bonus, your promotion. He was after your faith. He was after your soul. But God has encapsulated the heart of your soul and he is filling it with his love. Give you another scripture. It's on the card. I don't have to look at it. Shout and be glad. For the Lord takes delight. How about this word? Pleasure. Think of it. You think God's a bore? At his right hand are pleasures. Chocolate. Oh my God. Pleasures. Oh, the beach. Yeah. He delights, he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. You have served and served and served. God says, watch out, turn around. My prosperity is chasing you down. You think you're that quick to run away? It's gonna catch you, overtake you. In Jesus' name. Was that okay? I want you to do this. I'm, I'm going to end. Put the verses back. Luke 11, 1 through 4. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Get these four. It never says give me my daily bread. I think one of the reasons some believers do not prosper because it's always me, 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 my, my, my. You know, the evil axis of hell. Me, myself, and I. You will have prosperity come to you when you pray that it goes through you. Give us our super substantial bread. I've got to finish this point. Remember, they were building Russell. I'm calling. Yeah, I am. You got to me too late. I actually believe what I ask he gives. Unless I'm at, Prayer changed me. I hate when people ask this stupid question. What if you ask the Lord for something that's not his will? Okay, buffoon. I'm not going to ask that. And if I do it, he's not going to answer it. <laughs> Prayer's not, I'm not a pagan. Yeah. Oh, the gods. Oh, the gods are frustrated. Give him your wife. He will be nicer. Give him your children. He will. No. I'm not trying to manipulate God by giving him a few minutes of my day. We believe in tithing. Why don't we believe in tithing what we have and that is time? Why not an hour a day? Anyway, I am asking that God send you the staff 
and it's very simple. I'm asking, I love you. That Michael, you're a boss. I didn't know Wendell. Through prayer, and he was praying this too. Him and Jenny. God put loyalty in my heart. My name is Jude Fuquay. And really, I'm nothing, and I'm okay with saying that. is everything and when you cannot you cannot pray for someone daily for 20 years and not be connected to them so I'm praying Lord give my Russell enough of praying loyal hearts their gifts and their talent and intellect and anointing will cause them to be drawn to this place because of what's happening, but their hearts may be far from it. And I would say it's this type of prayer pattern. It's almost like a scanner at the airport. Oh, but they look anointed. They're going to, what do you have in your pocket? Oh, but they could sing, my goodness. They're a ministry of thousands. Samuel said, men and women look on the outward. God's going to look at the heart. So when you pray, it elevates your mind, I promise you. But most of all, it converts your heart that there would be a unity and a loyalty. And that's what I'm praying for my Russell. Men and women, that will come, and if Russell was standing up here, I think we're about the same height. Here's those cowboy boots on. Good Lord, I'm too old for that. And it's where you put your shoulder to the shoulder of another person. And then another person's shoulder is there. Give us our daily bread. I'm praying for loyal, stout-hearted men and women like David's mighty people. And that, hear me, that the people of pursuit will be of one heart and one mind, and they will rally around this David to bring worship in the ark of God's testimony back into this city. Amen. Listen and say, give us this day our daily bread. They were building a place for the prophets, the school of the prophets, and they were cooking a meal. When you have a Bible college, you're probably going to feed them, I hope. And there was a wild vine, get this, that was put in the pot. We cannot just accept anyone to lead this church with Russell and Maria. They may have a wild vine instead of the true vine. And poison came in the pot. And what did they scream? Man of God, death is in the pot. He said, bring me some flour. What is that? Super, say it with me, substantial bread. He threw flour in the pot. Russell, I think in the next year, specifically, not only in Snohomish, Seattle, and Kirkland, 
I saw it tonight. You were throwing flour in the pot. And people who had a death experience, maybe it was in faith experience, maybe it was a leader, maybe it was a church, maybe it was an addiction, God is going to throw super substantial bread in the pot. I want to just say one last thing, and this is where we're in. I really wanted to get to, I think someone could be delivered if you heard the other two, but I'll just leave it with this. In John 6, it's a crazy chapter. He had just multiplied bread and fish. He's with his disciples. He takes the bread. He said, this is my body. He takes the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood for the remission of the sins of many. Now, Catholics call that. You'll never guess what they call it. Transubstantiation, substantiation super substantial bread. They believe that those elements actually become the DNA of Christ. Protestants, we have a struggle with it. We go, it's a memory, it's kind of cute, Hallmark. Hmm. How did sin get into the human race? Did they Google it? Was it on their social media account? Actually, they ate something. They took something outside their body, put it inside their body, and it changed the human race forever. I am sensing in the days ahead when the Lord's table is ministered at Pursuit in her campuses, people in Pursuit are going to eat super substantial bread and their eyes are going to be healed, their ears are going to be healed, their marriages are going to be healed, their souls are going to be healed. When they feel that the creditors are at they're going to be healed. Come on. Parkinson can be healed. Essential tremors can be healed. Cancer can be healed. Diabetes can be healed. Come on. Come on. Super substantial bread. Give me some of that pawn. I can speak a little bit of Spanish. Everyone say super substantial bread. Now, I'm not going to teach. I want you to go to these others. Say, forgive us our sins as we forgive others. I hate that verse. That's my biggest struggle right there. I'm from Louisiana. You look at me wrong, I knife you. See that guy right there? Don't mess with him. You do not know what's under that shirt of his. Russell's showing us all they're doing in this building. And I said, look at you, Puff Daddy, Mac Daddy, P Daddy, walking around. (laughs) He has two weapons on him. I just want you to know, super, not substantial. No, come on. No, I love you because actually I thought today, I hope no joker tries to do something stupid because they're out of here. That man's right on it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure of it. Now, in Louisiana, you mess with me, I'm gonna mess with your family. You call me ugly, I'm gonna call your mother ugly. Oh no, when you go low, I go lower. Say this with me, forgive us. Say it again, say it again. One more time, 
one more time. Give me one more. How many of you ever need to be forgiven? Okay, let's do this. Let's do this. How many of you that how many of you have sinned in the last week? If you're married, you know you have. How many of you have sinned in the last 24 hours? If you have children, you know you did. Especially when you start talking through your teeth. Get over here. What is that about? You know you sin if you have a child. When you start doing this, you're like your parents trying to hit the one that didn't even do it. I know you guys don't do that. You're from the Northwest. You put them in a timeout. They have to eat tofu. I'm from Louisiana. We're going to beat you. Don't look at me like you aren't from Snohomish. I know you beat your children up in Snohomish County. Say, forgive us as we forgive. As, I hate that word. I want to pulverize that word. Why didn't you just say forgive? Forgive us and try to forgive. Why did he say as? That's the most dawning word of this whole pattern. I got to that point. People ask me all the time, did you ever want to quit? Yeah, every Thursday. Why? The youth meeting was every Wednesday. <laughs> People have this grandiose idea. You and Wendell and Jenny, you guys always got along, huh? There was a lot of prayer in that relationship. And if you, let me just say this. To have an anointed, spirit-filled, clear-headed, visionary, if he doesn't offend you, he's not a visionary. And I was offended. Oh, I never went to church like this. I was on staff. I couldn't. I sat on the front row offended. You'd never know it. I got to this point in the prayer. This is so real. I was mad. I'm not much of a cursor. I mean, my boys only heard me say three curse words in their whole life. Don't make me say it tonight. Russell will not have me back. They're not bad ones, though, really. They're not like the major bombs of mass destruction. They're just small ones that even sometimes pastors may say, especially if you're me. I literally said this to the Almighty when I got to this point in the prayer. I said, Lord, I have three boys. And if John's hitting my Jake and he keeps doing it, I'm going to have to put him in a timeout. Now, Lord, I'm not asking you to break the arm of my leader or give him a disease, but could you please send him to their room and give him a serious timeout at least for a year? I kid you not, God spoke back to me on that if you haven't heard God maybe you're praying too much in repetition prayer is not a monologue it's a dialogue which means you should be waiting 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 on the Lord waiting on the Lord waiting on the Lord and he spoke I said you should put her in a timeout. he said alright I'll do it 
I'll do it. But the next time you hurt someone, and you will, and you offend someone, and you will, I'm going to have to do to you exactly what you asked me to do to them. I kid you not. My life changed right there. I said, no, 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 Lord, give them grace. Mercy, 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 Jesus. Oh, my God, mercy, Lord. Some of you right now, your life is ruined because you're stuck 10 years ago, 20 years ago, and you're still bitter. You're looking for the perfect church, and when you find it, for goodness sakes, don't join it. You're going to mess it up. There is no perfect church. But there is a perfect God. Okay, this is really it. Thank you. <laughs> Becky, getting not too wise. He's not Mormon, but get him a pretty one. Come on, amen. Say this after me. Say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. Notice, it's not me. The biggest lie that was really forced during COVID is you can make it, get healed, get free, get liberated by yourself. No, you can't. And for the record, read it all. Jesus didn't say, lead us not into temptation. Let's clear the record. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone by evil, but each one of us are drawn away by our own desires. And you need discernment. And this card, this pattern gives us discernment to know when it's an outward test and our inner temptation. But get the next part. Say, lead us not into temptation. Circle the word lead. Too many believers are being driven. Driven by the government, driven by their bosses, driven by what's on Instagram. Stop being driven. The devil is a driver. The Lord is a leader. But for the Lord to lead you, he has to be in front of you. You have to give him the car keys to your car, and you have to call shotgun. You guys in front of me say, no. Say it with me, and this is where we're in for real. Say, lead us not into temptation. Deliver us. Deliver us. You will never be delivered from an addiction, the very thing you hate about yourself, without others. That's why we're starting pursuit groups. And I'm telling you, they will be the most liberating parts of this church. It will not just, hey, what are we going to do when there's 10 services and 20 services and it's gone all over? We will have pursuit groups all throughout this city. And when they come in one way, they're going to leave another way because he is going to deliver us. You need to have a Louisiana mentality. I'm truly, when I'm in Louisiana, I'm not afraid. He could come with all his weapons. I have too many cousins. He's bigger than me, faster than me, would kill me. But 100 times one is nothing. Don't you know you have more for you than that are against you? You have heaven, you have angels, you have the church. You need to be in a group. Are you with me? Now, say, this is really, we're ending, say, Lead us not 
into temptation, but deliver us. What's the next two words? What? 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 He didn't say evil. Last year, we memorized John 17 with our Bible college students. We're doing it again. And oh, God, I love you, Jesus. Jesus, listen to this. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and said these words. Father, the hour has come to glorify your son, that your son will also glorify you. Then he says this. God, I do not pray for the world. But I pray for those that you're leaving in the world. And I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but you keep them not from evil, from the evil one. This was the prayer that the ancient church fathers wrote about that Jesus said in the end of the end of time, there would be a statement in this prayer that would deliver the saints. Jesus said in the end of time, if it was possible, even the elect would be deceived and taken and deconstruct their faith. But I, God, will deliver them from the evil one. How many of you need to be free? Stand at your feet.